As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. The C.S. Lewis Podcast with Alistair McGrath. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to the show that brings you the thought and theology of C.S. Lewis with me, Ruth Jackson. Discover more about Lewis by visiting premierunbelievable.com, where you can also find lots of great articles, resources and podcasts. And you can also register there for the chance to win a free book. If you enjoy listening to the C.S. Lewis Podcast, please do consider rating and reviewing it. But now for today's show. I am absolutely delighted to be joined by David Bates, a Brit living in the US who is one of the hosts of the absolutely fantastic Pints with Jack podcast. David, this may have not been something that you come across in your research, but do you know if we know much about how C.S. Lewis himself would have celebrated Christmas? I went looking for this uh, and I contacted Dr. Hal Poe because he wrote a trilogy of books that go into ridiculous detail about Lewis's life from his early life all the way through to his death. Um, And he pointed me in the direction of some sources which tell us about a Christmas dinner in Malvern in 1947. And so in addition to the traditional turkey, Warney, Lewis's brother, he cooked boiled potatoes, Brussels sprouts, soup and a pudding. (laughs) And I love this bit. They enjoyed two bottles of Burgundy, one of Commanderia and one half bottle of gin. (laughs) So it sounds like they had a great time that day. I wanted to be invited (laughs) to that party. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Uh, And in 1942, Lewis's future wife, Joy Davidman, she came for Christmas. This was her first time in England. And she came to the kilns for Christmas. And we've got a letter that she sent to Chad Walsh where she described it as an enormous turkey and burgundy from the Magdalen College Oxford cellars to go with it. And this is this is very joy when you when you read the next bit. I stole a wine glass full and put it in the gravy. <laughs> and the Lewis brothers thought this was practically, you know, treacherous barbarity <laughs> until they tasted the gravy. And Joy actually returned for Christmas the next year, but this time with her sons. And Douglas Gresham reports being quite disappointed when he met Lewis because he thought he was meeting someone who knew King Edmund of Narnia, and he was this sort of scruffy-looking farmer person that he met instead. <laughs> that is brilliant. And I guess, you know, you've mentioned multiple drinks that Lewis would have consumed over Christmas, but do you think he would have perhaps had a favourite Christmas delicacy or tipple, or do we just not know? Uh, I know he definitely likes sherry, <laughs> and we have a message, an email from Walter Hooper confirming that uh, he was sent out by Lewis to buy some of this. This is Vat 69. It's a, a blended whiskey, which I brought back from England and opened up for the C.S. Lewis Reading Day, and it's, uh, it's rather nice. <laughs> 
Well, there we go. If anyone, it's, it's also lu- lubricating my throat because mm. I have a slightly sore throat. So I'm taking it purely for medicinal purposes. I, I wish you could pass it to me through the computer because I also have a sore throat. But if anyone's <laughs> unsure what to drink this Christmas and wants to toast C.S. Lewis, then VAT69. That's the that's the tipple yep. for, for Lewis. David, you have previously read bits of really interesting um, commentary on Christmas, uh, both in fictional form, but also in sort of prose form that Lewis has written about. Do you think in light of some of those things that he wrote and perhaps some of the things that he thought, but maybe never put to paper, he would have any advice about how we could survive the festive season, I suppose, in a 21st century context that by the sounds of it, it was actually not that different from the context within which Lewis himself was working and writing and operating in. Yeah, when you read Lewis, he often sounds prophetic. And the things he's complaining about, you read them and you think, oh, if you could have only have got to got to our time and you've seen how much worse things get. I, I think Lewis's main piece of advice would be not to get caught up in the Christmas rush, as he often calls it. Uh, at the essay that I mentioned before, What Christmas Means to Me, he ends by saying, But can it really be my duty to buy and receive masses of junk every winter just to help shopkeepers? If the worst comes to the worst, I'd sooner give them the money for nothing and write it off as charity. For nothing? Why? Better for nothing than for a nuisance. So I think his chief piece of advice would be don't get caught up in that rat race of things that you feel that you should be doing for Christmas. And maybe put Christ back in Christmas. That's That's the common expression. And there's there's a hilarious story he recounts in one of his letters where his brother heard a woman on the bus say as the bus passed a church with a crib outside they said oh they bring religion to everything look they're dragging it even to christmas now <laughs> so so maybe maybe lewis's advice would be to um to, to focus on on the religious season by all means be merry be joyful but don't feel compelled to uh, do all of the things which society tells you that you that you must do do you think he would be a big fan of of the way that churches seem to use Christmas as perhaps a way of inviting people in? Before we rejoin the rest of today's podcast, I have a very special offer for you to help you have an even more meaningful spiritual experience this Easter. As you know, N.T. Wright is without doubt one of the greatest Christian thinkers and apologists of our time, and some of Tom Wright's answers to questions about Jesus' death, resurrection and return are some of the most poignant and thought-provoking. That's why we've created a brand new downloadable devotional resource that's perfect for the Easter season featuring these questions and Tom's answers. This five-day devotional journey titled Jesus' death, resurrection and return is only available to friends like you as our thanks for your gift today. And remember, your support is truly critical to help keep resources and podcasts like Ask Inti Write Anything and Unbelievable going strong because this ministry is completely funded by friends like you. So please give the very best gift you can today and make sure to download your copy of Jesus' death, resurrection and return devotional at premierinsight.org forward slash C.S. Lewis. That's premierinsight.org forward slash C.S. Lewis. Thank you. In, that would perhaps never darken the church door in, in a normal situation. Would he, be, would he be open to the way that churches are kind of, yeah, inviting people in in this season? I, I would think so. I mean, he, he, reckon, he recognised the de-churching of England in his time, and it's only got much worse since then. 
But yet Christmas and Easter and often also Ash Wednesday, these are days when people who normally won't enter a church, they will still turn up. Um, and Lewis, with the heart of an evangelist that he always had, he would, he, I think he would definitely endorse the capitalization on those moments when people step into a church and can hear the gospel and encounter Christian fellowship. And I think he'd encourage us not to waste those moments as is, I'm afraid, often done in churches when you have people turning up who haven't been there since the last major festival um, and that they can still quite happily go through their life and not hear the gospel and not hear the, the call to come to Christ and really grasp the difference that Christ makes. I wonder how, um, I, like he obviously preached at, at various points. I wonder whether he was ever invited to preach at a Christmas service or, you know, at carol service or something like that. That would be a good one. Yeah, I don't, th I don't think any of the addresses that we've got are at Christmas. I don't know his addresses that well in terms of the details of the dates when they were preached. Um, but learning in wartime, that was following the outbreak of World uh, of the World War One, I, I think, or maybe World War Two. Um, and I mean, obviously, his his real classic sermon is "The Weight of Glory," probably one of the best pieces that he ever penned. Probably one of the best sermons ever preached, since one was preached by a by a carpenter on a mountain. Um, but uh, but that that's a wonderful example of of the kind of message that Lewis communicated, reminding us that the that the people that we that we sit next to in pews, people that we deal with each day, one day they're going to become either something truly glorious or monstrous, and it's our job to um, to help them reach their glorious end. And just to remind us that everyone that we that we work with and play with and talk to. Um, that they are the holiest thing presented to our senses. And he says, other than the Blessed Sacrament, these are the holiest things that we see day in, day out. Um, and I think that's a really, really great gateway into presenting the gospel uh, to tell the story of a God who, the, the infinite, almighty, powerful God became a little baby in an effort to redeem a fallen human nature. Uh, that he humbled himself, as Philippians says, taking the form of a servant and being obedient, obedient unto death, death on a cross. And that this isn't the end of the story, that God raised him and that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. Yeah, and he encourages us, doesn't he, that like we've got a better story to tell. And it feels like actually Christmas is a brilliant opportunity to encourage people that in a world that seems sort of more and more hopeless that there is a better story. This isn't the end of the story. I guess, as it says, you know, in in the last battle, that this is just the title page of an amazing story that goes on and on forever. David, as we as we're mm. coming to the end of this podcast, I know lots of my friends um, will use Christmas as a time to take a little bit of time off and perhaps do some reading. For for lots of my friends, the Narnia Chronicles is a is a must reread over the Christmas period. Is there anything that you like mm -hmm. to read over Christmas, um, particularly of Lewis's works that, you know, where there's a little bit more time, perhaps amidst the chaos, <laughs> but just to stop and think and perhaps reread something that you've read before? Yes. Well, definitely The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Uh, read the book, watch the movie. And it's a Christmas, Christmas movie, just like Die Hard. Uh, <laughs> the essays that I've mentioned, they're in God in the Dock. So What Christmas Means to Me and a Lost Chapter from Herodotus. Uh, if someone's got the copy of Miracles, the chapter, The Grand Miracle, one that speaks about the incarnation, a great read. And actually, Lewis wrote an introduction to a translation of On the Incarnation by St. Athanasius. It was done by his friend, Sister Penelope, who was an Anglican nun. And both Athanasius's um, 
essay on the incarnation and Lewis's introductory essay, both well worth anyone's time. Uh, and also, if I can mention something that's Lewis adjacent, Lewis's friend, uh, Dorothy L. Sayers, she wrote The Man Born to be King. And it's a wonderful dramatization of the life of Christ. Uh, and that's also just a, a great place to start. You can absolutely mention Lewis's friends. We're all about Lewis's friends. <laughs> David, thank you so much. It's been so insightful. And I wish you and your family a very, very Merry Christmas. Likewise, likewise. And I'm going to endeavour to make sure that I've got a post up on pintswithjack.com slash Xmas, where I'll have all of the things that I've referenced um, spelt out and links to the book. So if someone does want to uh, dive into some Lewis this Christmas, it'll be very, very easy. Oh, well, that's incredibly helpful. And I will make sure that I have that link at the bottom of this podcast as well so that people can do that really, really quickly. <laughs> but yeah, do do head over to Pints with Jack for anything you want. Honestly, if I ever want to know anything about Lewis, I just go straight onto your website because I know it will be there. There's such a helpful timeline. It's got all of his works. There's loads of really good interviews. I mean, I'm doing myself out of a job here, but um, definitely go to Pints with Jack because there's so much great information about Lewis and particularly Christmas. So thank you so much, David. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to the C.S. Lewis podcast with me, Ruth Jackson. A very Merry Christmas and wishing you a really happy new year. Discover more about Lewis by visiting premierunbelievable.com where you can also find lots of great articles, resources and podcasts. And do register there for the chance to win a free book. That's premierunbelievable.com. If you enjoy listening to the C.S. Lewis podcast, please do consider rating and reviewing it. Thank you for listening and see you next time. <laughs>